Hello and welcome to this podcast from Arctic Dialogue 2014, a collaboration of the University of Nordland, the High North Center and the Arctic Institute. We're speaking with attendees and speakers about their work, the Arctic Dialogue Conference and the theme of Arctic Resources. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malta Humpert. Today we're speaking with Captain Jonathan Spanner from the United States Coast Guard. John is the director of the Office of Emerging Policy of the U.S. Coast Guard. He's also the senior Arctic policy advisor and leads a delegation on behalf of the State Department to the Arctic Council focused on developing a circumpolar business forum. John spoke with us about his current work, the role of the U.S. Coast Guard in the Arctic, the upcoming Arctic Dialogue Conference and the topic of Arctic resources. John, thanks for joining us today. Well, greetings, Malta. I'm Captain Jonathan Spanner from the United States Coast Guard. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on today, for letting me be involved with this podcast, uh, for being able to work with the Arctic Institute, and for all of your interest in the Coast Guard and our Arctic strategy in uh, the great geostrategic region that is the Arctic. Thank you for your kind words, John. We're delighted to have you on today. Um, could you tell us about your current research or work or your plans for the near-term future? Most of my work to date has been focused on, and this has been very much a team effort, developing a, a U.S. Coast Guard Arctic strategy, which our commandant, who's Admiral Robert Papp, signed and approved in May of uh, 2013. We published the Arctic strategy. We shared it. We vetted it with uh, stakeholders. We had it peer-reviewed and cleared through the administration, of course, and we've briefed Congress and so forth. So there's three big objectives in that, which are to improve awareness, modernize governance, and broaden partnerships. What I'm working on now, uh, a couple things. One is, now that we have this strategy developed and we have our big priorities and lines of effort uh, published, how do we implement that strategy? What are the big pieces that will help us to bring that to life, which is what we're, we're developing right now? We're also developing a Western Hemisphere strategy, and over time, looking at other areas such as cyber security and climate change for the service. So my office, um, which is called, is has a letter symbol of X, can cover a number of issues, but most of the topics we cover uh, deal with the Arctic Western Hemisphere affairs, uh, and then some functional areas like climate change and cyber security. That is quite a range of issues that you and your staff are, are dealing with. Um, what is the most unexpected step uh, you've taken on the way to your current position? I think that Coast Guard career paths for the United States Coast Guard tend to be fairly specific based on our line, our operational expertise. So in my case, I'm a, I'm a pilot. Uh, probably the most non-conventional assignment I've had so far is serving uh, two of them, perhaps, I'd, I'd mentioned. One is serving at the White House. I was a White House fellow, and then I was a policy director on the White House staff um, back 2002 to 2004. And I also served as a strategic policy advisor to the U.S. commander of Central Command, which is the Middle East, Horn of Africa at that time, um, in the Central Asian states. And that was uh, 2006 and into 2007 of course, a time of uh, conflict and in, in combat in the region. So for a Coast Guard officer to have the opportunity to be involved uh, in, in national policymaking and then, and then see how a, 
a Department of Defense combatant commander actually um, has to, to manage combat. To have that experience, um, while very difficult at times, was a big and important part of my professional education. The United States Coast Guard is not part of the Department of Defense. We're part of the Department of Homeland Security in the United States. So we, we tend to work very closely overseas with our partners that are in ministries of defense and ministries of interior and ministries of home affairs. So to be able to learn more about the defense world as a senior Coast Guard officer was a great part of my education. It was definitely unexpected. I didn't, growing up, ever think I'd have a chance to work at the White House or, uh, uh, or to serve overseas and see um, some of the most uh, uh, difficult issues that, that, uh, that challenge humankind. You already touched on this a little bit in your previous answer. Um, How is your work and the work of the, uh, of the U.S. Coast Guard in general contributing to a better future for the Arctic? Well, when I think about the Arctic, on a, I think about it on two levels, which are personal and professional. Uh, I've really fallen for the region. I love the region. I love the people in the region. I love the great issues and what their future looks like and have had the opportunity to visit many different areas of the Arctic uh, over time. I've spent an entire day with a nomadic reindeer farming family in the Russian Arctic. Uh, I've, I've been up to Tromso. Uh, I've been, of course, to the U.S. Arctic. I've uh, visited Finland and I've visited Iceland and have seen uh, a number uh, of the policymakers face-to-face as well as the people who live in the region north of the Arctic Circle. Um, and it's just been fantastic. So when I think about the future of the region on personal and professional levels, what's most important to me is that 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 if there if there is going to be economic development over time, and I hope that's the case, economic growth, that it be sustainable, that it be responsible, um, that it be take that it take place with the greatest of regard for the the beautiful environment and the fragile ecosystems, whether it be marine mammals or fisheries or whatever the case that 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 we have systems and governance and institutions and structures in place um, that will help to protect the environment and ensure that um, as uh, if the ice does continue to melt over time, which has been the trend that we know, uh, and maritime activity, which is what we care about in the U.S. Coast Guard, continues to increase, that, that we have all those things in place that are needed to ensure safe, secure, and environmentally responsible maritime activity in the Arctic region. So to that end, uh, we've worked very hard, and I, I've worked very hard personally to try to um, establish and implement a few of those important structures and institutions, uh, such as an Arctic Coast Guard Forum, and that will meet for the first time uh, just after the Arctic Dialogue uh, in, in March on March 31st in Sydney, Nova Scotia at the experts level. We're going to talk about what that might look like with all the Arctic eight nations. Um, having an Arctic Policy Board so that the U.S. Coast Guard can have uh, a, a group of advisors who can advise us on on policy for the, for the future, and maybe even having an Arctic Center of Expertise at our U.S. Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut, um, which trains leaders of the future um, uh, who are going to serve in the Coast Guard uh, uh, about the Arctic region, about the harsh conditions that are there, and how we might operate in the future. I would say, in closing, the U.S. Coast Guard has a has a long history. We've been there since the mid 19th centuries and in, in, in mid 19th century in the U.S. Arctic, and have uh, tremendous operational experience in the region, which is the real value I think that we bring uh, to the effort. Um, but it's important that we make uh, the Arctic 
an issue not just for the Coast Guard or not just for our future leaders, but uh, for the world in its entirety. So when we think about the future of the Arctic, we have to also educate children. Uh, I love that there are many high schools in the United States, for example, have programs called uh, Model United Nations. Well, I think that in the future, maybe elementary schools or, or middle schools or high schools might have model Arctic councils where they can talk out and, and game out and discuss the big issues that will drive that magnificent region over time. This is a perfect segue into the next question, actually. In terms of Arctic policy issues or future issues, um, what should people be discussing that they aren't currently talking about? Well, I think at, at this point, we're still very much introducing the public to the Arctic and, and the big issues that play out in the Arctic. And the number one priority in terms of what people should be discussing, of course, this is my personal opinion, is how people live in the Arctic, the indigenous communities, their ways of life, how climate change might or might not impact, um, you know, the migration of fisheries, the melting of, of permafrost, um, you know, movements of communities and, and the like. But, but what are the um, traditions, what are the cultures of the people who live in the Arctic? I think it's very important to understand um, how, how they live, what their priorities are, uh, and, uh, and what they want for their future. Because first and foremost, they're the people that live there, and it's really important to understand how they, how they think about their future. They're excited about their future. And to have the opportunity to interact with them, um, to see how sophisticated they are, to see how they want to use technology to make their life better, and, and so forth, um, how they can, uh, how small and medium enterprises in the Arctic uh, can play a big future in, in the economy of the entire region. I think those are all, those are all big stories. Um, they're great untold stories that, that ho hopefully over time can be told. Uh, there's a lot of work to do in science. I'm, I'm not an expert there, so I'm hesitant to say, you know, what, what, what might play out. Uh, in terms of Arctic policy, I'm pleased that the United States has an Arctic strategy. I'm pleased that, uh, that over at our Department of Defense, they have a strategy, and the United States Coast Guard has, uh, of course, we have our strategy, which I mentioned. And I often say that, you know, that there's a you know proliferation of these documents. We hear that in in our uh, dialogues with uh, audiences around the world. There's a lot of these documents. What do they mean? Well, in our culture, in the in the government, the federal government, the United States, it's very important that we outline what our priorities are, so we have some envisioned end state, and we can drive towards that end state, so that activities such as an Arctic Coast Guard forum, which will help to bring to life search and rescue and pollution prevention agreements that were agreed to at the Arctic Council. Um, can really happen. We have to build these strategies. We have to outline priorities so that we can envision the future and leave a better region for the people who actually live there. So are events and conferences like Arctic Dialogue key to furthering this conversation? Or, or what's the value that you see in, in events like Arctic Dialogue? Well, the <clears throat> events like the Arctic Dialogue are critical just to keep the conversation going, to bring all of the Arctic nations together, including um, the nation states themselves, the observers to the Arctic Council, the the, the people who live in the region, uh, the permanent participants, and to have conversations about the big issues, albeit um, whatever they might be, uh, political, social, economic, environmental. Um, they're just they're just exceptional ways to share information. Uh, I regret this year that I won't be available to attend. Um, 
the uh, the Arctic dialogue. However, it's very important to the United States Coast Guard, and uh, we are sending a senior officer there, uh, Commander Karen Messenger, who will do a wonderful job for us. And we hope to be able to continue to stay plugged into to uh, events and conferences like that so we can continue to have a seat at the table and help to uh, share our perspectives, share our experience, and, and more importantly, learn from the other people who are there in the region, which will help to inform our frontline efforts. The theme of this year's Arctic Dialogue is resources. What topics come to mind when you think of the Arctic's resources? Well, it's an interesting question because <clears throat> when I think about the Arctic, I, and it's a challenging question because I think about the Arctic more in terms of, as a Coast Guard officer, more in terms of maritime activity rather than specific resources. So there there are a few reasons while, why there is commercial activity in the Arctic that, that we really focus on in the Coast Guard. And they, this does play out around resources. Of course, there's resource exploration. There's... Uh, transshipment. So what this means is um, small amounts of cargo that can move across the Arctic uh, to shave, and this is again small numbers right now, but to shave uh, big distances off transits uh, of ships from uh, from perhaps Europe to Asia. Of course, that's very much driven by the weather and uh, availability of um, nav navigational aids and the like. Uh, and then cruise ships. And I think that adventure tourism whether it's large or small cruise ships, but adventure tourism is growing tremendously right now. And those big areas of activity, resource exploration, adventure tourism, and, and cargo transshipment drive uh, much of the maritime commercial, most of the maritime commercial activity in the region. So when I think about resources, my mind as a Coast Guard officer in the United States immediately shifts to actual commercial activity that's that's on uh, on the water, this sort of wet activity. And what I really care about there is that it be safe, secure, and environmentally responsible. Um, I hope to see, uh, you know, if there is economic growth over time, that it be sustainable economic growth, that, that, that all of the commercial activity be environmentally responsible. And hopefully I need that we are playing a part to ensure that uh, as the United States Coast Guard. Arctic resource development is overhyped. Um, will development proceed slower than we maybe thought three to four years ago? Well, that's a very interesting question. And of course, uh, where you stand on it is based on, on where you sit every day. And in, in my world with the United States Coast Guard, I, I really think about those three big lines of activity, which are resource exploration, cargo transshipment, and then, of course, adventure tourism and, and cruise ships. So we've watched over time the adventure tourism and, and, and the cruise ship activity increase. And when you think about thousands of people, um, uh, if not over time, millions each year, uh, I read a statistic recently that said in 2013 there might actually be a million adventure tourists in the Arctic region. Uh, when you think about that number of people going to a region that, that can be unforgiving, that can be harsh, uh, I, I don't think it's proceeding slow at all or slower than expected. I think that adventure tourism in the region will continue to increase. I have noticed a bias in perspective, which is people, when they think about um, resources and activity in the Arctic, tend to gravitate pretty quickly to resource exploration. 
uh, oil and gas specifically. I always like to point out that, and of course there there is activity you know globally in that area, and I don't know what the future will look like for that. It depends on a number of factors, number of uh, uh, structural factors, and and uh, all sorts of dynamics that are part of that system of exploration and and bringing um, those types of resources to market. But my my personal opinion is that uh, that, and I like to tell this to groups and audiences, is that um, never to underestimate the uh, uh, the volume of of adventure tourism and, and, and cruise traffic up in the Arctic, I I don't expect that to slow down personally, and I don't see any signs that it will. And I think it's really important that that the Arctic nations work together. And this is why I think our Arctic Coast Guard Forum is so important um, to ensure that that we're ready to provide over time, you know, search and rescue services, or at least we can warn ships of hazards and so forth, because this is a distant, um, difficult region to operate in. And if activity is going to increase, it's important that, that uh, we take every precaution possible to ensure that it's safe, secure, and environmentally responsible. In closing, I want to thank you again. It's uh, such a privilege to talk to you, Malta. I'm so grateful to know you. I'm grateful uh, to the Arctic Institute for your interest in our Arctic strategy. And uh, any time that, that uh, we can discuss it, we're always happy to do that. So thank you very much for having me uh, on today. And I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that uh, you may have or, or your listeners may have in the future. Well, thank you again, John, for taking the time today to talk to us. We always enjoy talking to you and look forward to continuing the conversation in the near future. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Follow along with the series on iTunes or on our website, thearcticinstitute.org. The music you heard at the beginning and end of the podcast is by Heber Zephyrin, and it can be found at ccmixter.org.